0: Yo, what's happening, everybody? My name is Anthony Carrente, and thank you, as always, for checking out another episode of The Dynasty Drive. I appreciate all of the support, as always. If you're new to listening to the podcast, you can follow me on Twitter, at Dynasty Drive. You can follow the show on uh, Instagram, at The Dynasty Drive, like the show on Facebook, and check out the vast majority of my written content over at the NFL Draft Bible, which is si.com forward slash NFL forward slash draft have been doing a weekly uh, Debbie recap for anybody trying to get caught up on college football happenings, and just kind of, you know, maybe you weren't following as much during the college season. Maybe you're somebody that gets to it late. All that stuff's there. And if you haven't checked it out, I also co-host a weekly podcast with Ryan Searfoss and Eric Adams over on the NFL Draft Bible Podcast Network, the Dynasty Draft Room. That comes out every Wednesday, so plenty of content to to keep you up to date on, as uh, the regular season for the NFL rumbles on and we approach the off season, So this is kind of a fun time of year, right? Like NFL season is full steam ahead. Playoff battles heating up. Like we'll see what teams make it into the playoffs uh, for real NFL purposes. And we're at that point of the fantasy season where playoffs are maybe starting next week, depending on current league format. I know everybody's a little all over the place this year since it's the first year of a 17 game season. Uh, and I'm sure everybody will do some tinkering next year as we kind of navigate this all together for the first time around. But this week, what we're going to do is take a little bit of a break from. We've been talking some rookies, right? We've been talking the running backs, Kenneth Walker, Isaiah Spiller, Brees Hall. We'll hit pause on that for this week, and we will get back to it very, very soon, probably as early as next week. Uh, and starting to line up some guests as the draft season comes uh, comes at us full steam ahead. But this week, we're going to talk guys that are in the NFL already. So four targets for 2022 that I think um, could see a little bit of an expanded role. I don't want to necessarily say buy low because, you know, these aren't names that are going to be surprises to a lot of people, I would assume. Uh, Not names that are real, real deep dive stuff. They're names that the majority of fantasy players are familiar with. But still players that I think are worthwhile targets to go out and Float some offers out there for right now before the offseason gets here, before free agency gets here, before the draft gets here, to potentially get maybe a bit of a discount on some of these guys. So like I said, four guys, all currently in the NFL already. I got three wide receivers and one tight end, so no running backs today. I love the running backs, but they didn't make the cut for today's today's show. So let's get right into it. First guy that I want to talk about is Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver Tyler Johnson. The Bucs are a pretty unique situation all around. They ran it back, right? One of the few teams that just, let's run it back. They won the Super Bowl and then get the whole band back together. Let's try and run it back, win a whole other thing. So I think there was a point last year where it kind of started to feel likely that Chris Godwin would move on from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, Chris Godwin gets hit with the franchise tag. But him returning to the Bucks in 2022 and beyond it still feels really unlikely to me at this point. Chris Godwin's a great player, but I just have a feeling that from a money perspective and they'll have some other things they need to take care of that Chris Godwin could find himself priced out or not in their long-term plans. It's super rare. Anybody gets hit with that second franchise tag aside from, you know, quarterbacks and big stuff like that. So I I'd really, really be shocked if something like that happened. And I'd honestly be pretty shocked if a long-term deal happened. Um, Mike Evans is going to be with the team. But if Godwin does leave, it's Tyler Johnson and Scotty Miller are the two most likely to step up internally, right? There's always a chance that they can go out and get another free agent uh, or draft another guy, you know, uh, a team that should be drafting late round one. There's bound to be some good receivers there. But Tyler Johnson, this sounds crazy, and I know people will assume that this is just something you say, but I've seen it. And you have to remember that not all leagues are created equal, right? So not all leagues have super deep benches. Even though it's dynasty, some people play with more shallow benches. But there's some leagues out there where Tyler Johnson's kicking around on waiver wires. And he's somebody that I'm absolutely willing to hold on to cheap or try and acquire cheap throughout the offseason and see how it shakes out. Like see if they pay somebody in free agency. See if Chris Godwin does come back see if they draft a guy because for the low cost to go get him right now it's worth it's worth it for me Tyler Johnson somebody that coming out of college I wasn't the most high on but he did have production his last two college seasons both over a thousand yards he's a guy that can produce he's obviously been buried on the depth chart right now behind Mike Evans Chris Godwin Antonio Brown when he's been healthy you know splitting some time with Scotty Miller and Jalen Darden chips in a little bit on uh, kick returns and stuff but Tyler Johnson's a guy that could profile as a legitimate outside wide receiver and could play inside as well. And I think for what the cost is to go get him, or if you're in a league that does have more shallow benches and he's kicking around on waiver wires, somebody that it's worth holding on to throughout the offseason process to see how it works out. Second wide receiver that I want to talk about, and a guy that I feel like I've talked about last offseason and earlier this season and towards the end of last season for all these same reasons is Dallas Cowboys wide receiver Michael Gallup. And I think a similar opportunity or a chance of an opportunity kind of awaits uh, Michael Gallup that could be out there for Tyler Johnson. Difference is Michael Gallup has a way more proven NFL track record. So he had over 100 targets in both 2019 and 2020. 2019 was that career year, right, where he had over 1,000 yards and six touchdowns. He's going to be 26 next year, should be still in his prime. And I think he's a guy that can produce like a borderline number one option for an NFL team. And maybe he's not going to be a top 12 fantasy option. But, you know, with a 1,100-yard season or uh, six touchdowns, like we've seen him be used in a way that he could be a valuable fantasy contributor. So if he's not top 12, he's still somebody that I think in the right system can produce for fantasy. Obviously, we've seen it. And uh, it's not like he's going to be real old. Somebody whether it's Dallas or otherwise, because the thing to keep in mind is Dallas does have an out in the Amari Cooper contract after this year. So I'm in on Gallup either way, because I think either he steps into some of what's vacated by Amari Cooper if they opted to move on, which I don't think is the most likely scenario. I think the way more likely scenario is he gets end up or he ends up, excuse me, getting paid pretty handsomely by another team in free agency and the dollar amount, like, follow the money, right? If somebody pays him big money, he's going to at least have the opportunity to get featured. So it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. He's somebody, like I said, I've been targeting him for consecutive seasons, and I think next year is the year we've been holding out for, right? You've been holding out. If you tried to acquire him cheap last year or this year or right now, it's with eyes towards 2022, whether he hits, hits free agency and ends up someplace new in a more featured role, or if for some reason Dallas decides to move on from Amari Cooper and it just becomes CeeDee Lamb and and Michael Gallup as the top two options there. Again, not saying that's the most likely scenario, but it is a scenario that is worth mentioning. Two more guys. Let's do the last wide receiver and then we'll talk the tight end because the tight end's got to get some love too. We (laughs) we probably don't give the tight ends uh, enough love on many fantasy podcasts, but last wide receiver. And I can feel like Twitter and some of the, the podcast listeners out there cringing when I say this name, so please bear with me. <laughs> but current Pittsburgh wide receiver, Juju Smith-Schuster. And I know what you're thinking. Like you've, you, It's happened before, right? You've been burned. You've been disappointed by what's happened if you drafted Juju in startups years ago or you went out and acquired him. But here's the thing right now, is Juju Smith-Schuster to me right now is strictly a value proposition. He just turned 25, despite already hitting free agency once, right? Like he hit free agency last year and came back to the Steelers on a one-year deal. I know he ended up getting hurt, but I'm sure he wasn't uh, feeling great about that decision even before he got hurt. The Pittsburgh offense is a mess. Um, Big Ben is clearly washed. Uh, It's gross all around, but even still, Juju's obviously injured now. Oh, that's the perfect time for me to float some offers out there on a team that maybe needs a little bit of wide receiver upside um, before any potential movement in free agency or any movement at quarterback for the Steelers. If he did opt to stay there, right? Like, say that he opts to stay, bends out. Um, you know, I'm sure that they would love to try and enter the fray or, you know, get into the sweepstakes for somebody like Aaron Rodgers or if Russell Wilson moves on. I don't think any of that's the most likely, but hey, worth mentioning. Well, we all know the history with Juju, right? He had a hot start to his career in 2017 with over 900 yards as a rookie, uh, followed up by a 1,400-yard season in 2018. Fantasy managers, I think, have felt burnt pretty much since then to a combination of injuries, lowered production. But I really think that Juju ending up on a different team could help turn that around for him as a player. For being as young as he is, despite the fact that he's heading into his sixth season, I would be trying to buy at a discount now for a guy that used to be viewed like a wide receiver one in dynasty. And I'm not saying he's going to get back to that, but in the right situation with decent quarterback play, I think he's absolutely talented enough to produce like a wide receiver two. And will get thought of like, he's older than he really is because he's been in the league for six seasons or going into his sixth season. And he's not even 26 yet. He just turned 25 like recently in November so not old by any means. We've seen the production. I know people have been burnt before, but I'm willing to roll the dice on Juju if the price is cheap enough. Like I'm not going out and paying through the nose for Juju Smith Schuster. But, you know, I'd float some some buy low offers out there. And I use that term, you know, kind of uh cautiously, buy low, because I think sometimes it gets overused and we lose sight of what the true definition of that means. But Juju, I think, is worth floating some offers out there to see if you can by now from somebody who's been burnt and disappointed in years gone past and the last guy I wanted to bring up is Chicago Bears tight end Cole Komet and I know Cole Komet is not a a big unknown like we know who Cole Komet is right he was the top, tie, uh, top tight end prospect a couple of years back not last year obviously that was Kyle Pitts year. Uh, but I think the big like year three breakout could be coming for Cole Komet he's improved in his second season already. But I think this offense shifts like Allen Robinson has been hurt. It's done. It's over there. He should be on his way out of town. And I hope for his sake, he can find a situation with a reliable quarterback and maybe he can, you know, still have another year or two or three of some, some good production. I hope for his sake, because he's a great player and has been a, a, a very fun player to watch both for NFL purposes and for fantasy purposes. But Allen Robinson should be on his way out of town. And I think this Bears offense is going to be heavily predicated on using Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet and David Montgomery in the run game. But even still, the future, you know, is not uh, it's no lock that David Montgomery gets uh, re-signed or gets brought back after next season with the Bears. So I think we're going to get a ton of Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet next season. And I think consensus seems to value him like a low-end sort of fringe tight end one. But I really like him to take the next step into that mid-range tight end one territory next year. He might not be the flashiest player or give you, you know, Darren Wall or Kyle Pitts kind of vibes. But I really expect him to be a consistent contributor for the Bears offense moving forward. There's some, There's been some really encouraging signs over the last couple weeks. Uh, and I think that's going to carry over through the end of the season and into next season as well. So Cole Komet, somebody that I'd be looking to buy on. Uh, If it's a roster that needs tight end help which is most dynasty rosters unless you're you know rostering one of the big guys or somebody that you You just feel better about i'm not saying to go out and trade somebody like t.j. Hawkinson for cole Komet, you know what I mean, but if you've been playing the game of Rostering guys like you know irv smith and hoping for the breakout or you haven't been lucky enough to Be holding on to somebody like dawson knox uh, I think cole Komet could be one of those guys that instead of being kind of on that fringe back end tight end one puts himself firmly in that tight end one discussion as a, you know, a mid range guy. So that's four players. I feel pretty good about moving forward towards 2022 and you know, guys, four guys that I'm, I'm willing to kind of invest in a little bit right now for varying reasons and to varying degrees, I guess. But just uh, wanted to put a handful of names out there for guys that I'm personally interested in going out and acquiring right now as the offseason does approach because values could change on these guys once free agency starts or once the draft happens. But I think some of that uncertainty right now could present potential discounts for each one of them for a little bit different reasons. All right. Good friend, Peter Trana, as always during the season, joined me during halftime of the Cowboys-New uh, Orleans Saints game to give us a couple more picks for the week 13 slate of games. So let's get into that discussion that we had with Pete, and then we'll be back on the other side to wrap things up. All right, week 13, halftime of Cowboys Saints, joined by Peter Trana, Pete, what is up, my friend? Ah, not much, man,
1: not much. Um, I really wanted a touchdown there, but the Cowboys, <laughs> but you
0: know, let's do it. We'll take it was anti-anticlimactic. Yeah. yeah, it was not, not super exciting for sure. All right, well, we got a handful of uh, games to get right into here, so let's uh, let's hop right into it. What do you want to kick us off with? Well,
1: we'll, still, we'll just go from the top down here. Um, we'll do this. Uh, I got this six point teaser here. I know we spoke about uh, the teaser strategies a couple of weeks back. Uh, this is the what you would call the a six point Wong teaser. That's the dude's name. Sounds funny. Whatever, but I'm going to tease the Colts from eight and a half to two and a half. Well, minus eight and a half to minus two and a half. And the Cardinals from seven and a half to minus seven and a half to minus one and a half. And uh, it, it, I mean, this is a simple handicap, man. The Colts should beat the Texans and the Cardinals should beat the Bears. Um, I'm backing two much better teams to win by three points or more. I mean, three points or less, uh, three points or more. Yeah, um, the Colts are currently uh, the problem with this is. This is why I need to bet early, though, because the Colts are currently nine and a half to ten point favorites now, depending on where you look. So this wouldn't really fit into the, the Wong teaser zone right now. So what I'm doing for the people, because I'm a man of the people, I'm going <laughs> to give you a 13 that you could substitute the Colts. And I would add the Vikings because they're playing the lousy Lions. Uh They're, get, they're seven point favorites. So you could tease them to a minus one. So there you go. Thank you, Pete. But <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it's just it's
0: just
1: I <laughs> gave you uh, your applause. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I score these. I score these games. Twenty six, 17 Cardinals, twenty seven, twenty Colts. And if you're taking the Vikings, I scored this one twenty eight, twenty two. So they would all fit into that teaser zone. Um,
0: I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, I don't disagree with any of that. I think all the teams you mentioned are better than the opposition, so I'm I'm pretty comfortable doing it. I I like uh I like all three of those including the Vikings one. So not a lot of argument or discourse on that one there. So let's move on to Chargers at Bengals. What do we like about this one?
1: All right. Um I like the Bengals, man. Um the Chargers for me, they are a hard team to read. Um they've outgained their opponents on offense in terms of yards and first downs. I like Herbert. They've got weapons. Um, they've even got guys on defense, but their defense is ranked 29th in points per game. 31st in opponents, third down conversion percentage. They're letting opponents convert on third down at a 50% clip. Or I think it's like 48.9%. Um, they're dead last against the run, but they're top five against the past. Um, in terms of yards per game They're this is a bad travel spot for them. In my opinion, they're traveling East for an early game after getting stomped out in Denver. Um, like I said, I don't love the travel spot. And then the Bengals, you know, there right now, they're getting mixing and going, which fits perfectly against, you know, what the Chargers are bad at. Um, that plus the travel spot and the Bengals defense, who I know we spoke about it a few weeks back, they're a little underrated. They're not like elite or anything, but they're much better than you would suggest. And then their biggest weakness going into the year was, in my opinion, the offensive line. And it really hasn't been that big of a problem. They're not great at by any stretch of the means, but they're not bad. So I'm going to take the bangles minus three. I even sold out at, at one point and took minus three and a half to get plus money. But um, I took them both. So you can I, I would recommend three, three and a half um, if, if you'd rather not eat the juice. So uh, final score, 27-22 chargers. I mean, bangles, twenty seven, twenty two bangles. <laughs>
0: I like that one a lot. I think this game is going to be a lot of fun, uh, but I think the difference is what you said with the running game. Uh, Joe Mixon is rolling, and I think that that presents a real problem for the Chargers. Uh, I agree that the Bengals defense, I think, has been a little underrated all season, and the offensive line has not been anywhere near you know the the detriment people expected early in the season. And I'm a believer in Joe Burrow and the rest of the weapons on that offense. I think Herbert and uh, you know Keenan Allen and co. could make it interesting. Uh, but I think the running game is the difference in this one. And I just think that the Bengals could get out early and take the air out of the football and just kind of pound it away. Um, I don't know. It's going to be tough for, for anybody to stop Joe Mixon right now. And uh, yeah, I, I like that one as well. I think Bengals minus three is, is the right go.
1: Yeah, and the the only way the Chargers win this game is if they absolutely get hot in the air and just keep keep pounding. <laughs> but they <laughs> they won't, in my opinion. So
0: all right. Giants at Dolphins.
1: Oh baby. Oh baby. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when I place this bet to prove that I'm not a homer, I this was the impression that Daniel Jones, Vanilla Vic, dimes. Was not playing. <laughs> I, <love Vic>. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he wasn't playing, so I I had confidence in this line based off my numbers and everything. Um, so I was pretty excited today and yesterday, but t- today's news specifically when uh, Freddie Kitchens he said I'm expecting Danny Jones to be the starter. Listen, the Dolphins uh, they're they're getting better right now. I think they're getting a little bit too much love in the market, though. They, they have, you know, they got this win streak going on, which has been good. But if you really look into it, you know, they beat the Ravens. It, but in my opinion, the Ravens are the worst eight and three team ever. Um, we've spoken about them on this podcast and the stream plenty of times. They've gotten some fugazi wins. Um, and then so they beat the Dolphins, beat the Texans, the Ravens, the Jets. But it was Flacco's Jets and Cam Newton's dead arm. So. They've done it with some stellar defense. Don't get me wrong. The Giants, they're another week removed from, you know, <laughs> Jason Garrett, the <laughs> clapper. Um, you know, so, and I, I like what I'm hearing from Freddie Kitchen. He's talking about you know getting input from the players about what plays they want to run and getting golly the, board more, the ball more. Listen, Freddie Kitchen, he was an awful head coach. So a lot of people like to make fun of him, like, oh, Freddie Kitchen's offensive play caller, but he was he got that head coaching job by being a good interim coach. So I'm not saying he's going to be a good head coach, but he's only got to call plays on offense. I power rank these teams almost identically. Um, they both give up just amount of same points a game on defense, a slight edge to the giants. They both give about the same, uh, the score about the same on offense, slight edge to Miami. With all that being said, I see this is a closer game than the spread indicates. So I'm going to take the giants plus four and a half uh, final score, 23, 21 dolphins.
0: It's interest it'll be interesting to me in this one to see what like what Miami's real game plan is or to stay committed to. Because I think early on I could see them trying to be almost like committed to Miles Gaskin like to a fault, Mm -hmm. like really just like insisting on getting the run game going. Where I I really think if that like two has been good over the last few weeks. And seems like he's moving the right direction. And and Jalen Waddle is I mean, showing everything that he showed in college. Uh, and I think Jalen Waddle could be a, a big mismatch for their secondary, but I think I could see Miami like not realizing that till it's too little too late. Um yeah, this would be different, but with Daniel Jones, I think I don't know, plus four and a half is a lot. I would feel different if it was three. Mike Glenn. <laughs> yeah, if it was yeah. Mike Glenn. Oh. <laughs> but three would feel different than four and a half, like pretty substantially to me, I think. So I don't have any problem with giants plus four and a half. Yeah. If the I point- would- no, sorry, I go ahead.
1: Say- No, 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 you go. I'm sorry. I was just
0: going to say, I think if Miami was smart, they let Tua come out, open this thing up early and, you know, really try and spread the ball out all over the field. Um, but I, I don't know, just gut feeling. I can see them kind of being insistent on like stubbornly trying to get the run game going. Uh, and I think, even though, like by the numbers, New York's not the best run defense or anything like that. I think that they're good enough to focus on taking that away from a player that's not elite. Right.
1: Yeah, and it, with the four and a half, you get you get like the the double hook, you get the field goal protection, and you get that the late field goal. You know, like if it's tied up and they score a field goal, or if it's you know up by seven, blah blah blah. So yeah, I agree with you. I think it's too much, and I totally agree. With if they come out firing with passing the ball. And, you know, it'll be a long day for the Giants. I agree with you.
0: All right. Last one that we have here, the Denver Broncos at Kansas City Chiefs. What are we thinking in this one?
1: All right. So I'm sure if you turned on, you know, ESPN, Fox Sports or NFL Network this week, you've heard about how great Andy Reid is off the bye. Um, and that's a real thing. It's a real thing. The Chiefs are really good. Andy Reid specifically is really good off the bye. He's probably like, it's got like one or two losses. It's incredible. The problem is, is that there's something wrong with this Chief team. They have a fatal flaw. We've spoken about this before as well on the podcast. Um, it's the cover two defense, two high safeties. The Broncos this year in the draft and off, for, you know, free agency, they decided to really load up on defense, specifically the secondary and uh, plays perfectly into the Chiefs' weaknesses. Um, Chiefs have looked great the last two weeks, uh, but it's been against stubborn defensive coordinators who play cover three. You know, you got the Raiders and the Cowboys, uh, regardless, you know, that, and even though it was clear what the blueprint is to beat Mahomes and the Chiefs, or at least to stifle them. So this is a top Denver defense right now. Um, I don't love Teddy, but I don't hate him either, and they've got plenty of weapons. They got, you know, a Weapons in the run game and weapons in the pass game. I'm taking the road dog at 10 points, just way too many for the chiefs to cover. Uh, give me the Broncos plus 10, 22, 21 chiefs.
0: Tens a lot for this chiefs team. Mm-hmm. And I know that, like you said, some of that is Andy Reid off the buy, but I think some of that is chiefs from the past couple of years hype getting built into it too, because I think this defense could be problematic for the chiefs. I think that uh 10, 10 points is a lot period, almost regardless of the matchup. The defense, I think, could pose real trouble for Mahomes and the Chiefs. And I, I don't know. Denver, like you said, Teddy's not great, but with the weapons they have there, uh, even if Melvin Gordon doesn't go, Javante Williams can always pop one off. He's great at breaking tackles. And there's enough pass catchers there between Noah Fant, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, th- Tim Patrick. Um, there's enough that 10 points is just a lot. And it's, uh, I don't know. I think a lot of that is kind of baked in with. Just the thought of the Chiefs coming off or Andy Reid coming off the bye. The Chiefs coming off the bye. What the Chiefs have been for the last couple of years. And I still think the Chiefs, you know, have a very, very talented team. But they've got problems right now. And 10 points is too much.
1: Yeah, I I don't see any problems with the Chiefs long term this year. But there's no incentive to win by two scores in the NFL. It's not college. They don't need to have big wins. You know, they just need to win. (laughs) And I don't think the Chiefs care how they do
0: it. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. All right. So that was... We got the Colton cards in the teaser. Then Bengals minus three, Giants plus four and a half, Broncos plus ten. Pete, you got anything you want to add before second half kicks off here with uh, Cowboys Saints?
1: Uh, no. I just well, I just hope this Cowboy score more than twenty four points because I I am also on that today. So <laughs> there you go, <laughs>
0: little, little bonus, little bonus action. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to join us as always, and we'll do it again next week. Yeah,
1: man. Thanks for having me again.
0: Thanks again to Pete for taking the time to join me on the halftime live stream of the Cowboys-Saints game and for breaking down a handful more games, given his picks for week 13. Always appreciate his time. And I appreciate all of you for listening to this episode of the Dynasty Drive. Like I said at the beginning, if you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Dynasty Drive you can like the show on Facebook. You can follow on Instagram at the dynasty drive, and you can get the vast majority of my written content over at si.com forward slash NFL forward slash draft with the NFL draft Bible. There's going to be a ton of fantastic content rolling out there over the next weeks and months as college season continues to wrap up through the college football playoff. And uh, we start getting into rookie fantasy profiles, all that good stuff, rookie mock drafts, all the, the real fun stuff like we did last year. So I appreciate everybody taking the time to check out this podcast, and we'll get back to it next week. Probably get back to talking uh, some more incoming rookies, as um, you know, that's that's the fun stuff, the meat and potatoes here. But uh, if there's anything you guys ever do want to hear on the podcast, please, uh, the DMs are open on the Twitter account. I'm always open for suggestions, and we'll get to as much of it as we can throughout the entire course of the offseason. So I appreciate everybody listening, and we'll be back next week with more. Thanks.